Hello and welcome back to the Born Radio Games Cast. As always, I'm your host Ryan, and today I'm joined by my lovely cohort of co-hosts, Brett. Hello, Alex. I have a rock in my sock. Wyatt. I don't have a rock in my sock or anywhere on my hey, body. Both valid sure. states to be in right now. <laughs> so we got a, an action-packed episode for you. It's the two-year anniversary of the show. Been going for Ooh. full two years now. It was very different at the start. Uh, none of you were on it, and it was about no. nothing. It was a nothing show about nothing, <laughs> which is fun in its own right. But which is we, why we today's episode is just a clip show of just previous episodes. Yeah, it's all we're gonna do. It's the recap episode. This is also conveniently the April Fool's episode, quote unquote. But it's not <laughs> April yet, so it's not our actual yes. April Fool's episode. You see, what we're going to do, we're going to have a fun little episode where we do a WrestleCast. It's a show we do, except instead of the normal WrestleCast crew, we're going to have it crewed by these two, Alex and Wyatt. And so these two, who have never watched a wrestling show, are going to be talking about wrestling, which I think will be a very entertaining time. Yes. Full color commentary. You get the whole huzzah? Well, you're going to be reviewing pay-per-view too, right? Yeah, you're going to be reviewing the matches. We can pick what we want to do it on. Uh, we can either do it on the, okay. the Dynamite episode coming up or a pay-per-view if we want to do a pay-per-view. So we got some options I, here. We'll, talk, we'll, we'll think, get that sorted out, though. Yeah. So, you ready for our, our topic today? We're going to talk about LEGO games. <laughs> LEGO Star Wars is just on the horizon. It's getting very close. And we're all far more excited than adult men should be. At least a couple of us. Hey, I have always said this. My my parents' mantra growing up and my mantra now is, like, Legos, never get rid of your Legos, right? Legos are for all ages. Yep. Anyone from any age can appreciate something about them, whether it's the actual Legos themselves or the games. Enjoy some level the... Lego crafting, you know? Where do you think Minecraft got the idea from? All right. Let's... Let's jump directly into the small amount of news we have this week. Nothing super crazy, except for the fact that uh, Amazon Game Studios head <laughs> has stepped down. Oh, what are they up to? Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So More like what they're not up to. <laughs> Gaming. An odd situation, because it's hard to tell how much of the issues with Amazon games, published games, and canceled games lies with uh, Mike Fazzini, who was the executive who started Amazon Game Studios. Now, I think this is probably just a them cutting cost at this point and being like, this is probably not. Whatever the initial goal of Amazon Game Studios was, this ain't it, chief. No, I don't I think still, the goal of any game studio is... is to cancel like all of their projects. <laughs> yeah, that I might still be the coldest don't... take I've ever heard. <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about there being an Amazon game studio. I don't like that there's something that big that can just buy up yeah. more things. Well, I think that the reality. I feel like monopoly. this is Amazon realizing the games industry doesn't work like that. Like, you can't just yeah. step in and make a game and have people play it. Because unlike, like, a movie or something, a movie's only asking for two hours of your time, generally, right? So a bad movie, I'm, I might still watch it just to watch something for a little while, right? 
Video games, though, I'm not going to play a bad video game for very long, and I'm certainly not going to continue to give a bad video game my money. So I think they've realized that it might be more lucrative for them to just be in the publishing business rather than the game production business. Uh, I still don't know what the state of New World is going to be after this, because I think New World is such an interesting case to look at because it's a concept that clearly a lot of people really liked. Huge sales initially, massive like a player base that was there, and then just it's died. It, it's fizzled out to the point where I think they could recapture a lot of that audience if they got it up to par, but how much work is needed to bring it up to par, probably far more than they're willing to do. So I think current this is... Player... Oh. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, current player count for it is around uh, twenty to 30,000. Yeah, which is like... At face value for some games, that isn't bad, but New World had millions of players. Like, it is such a, a massive drop in player numbers. I have to imagine New World did not do good with microtransactions and the store uh, because the gameplay was just not good enough to support it. Like, when your supporting systems don't work, no one's willing to spend money on your game because they don't have faith that whatever they spend money on is going to work, right? So yeah. I think there's just a lot of core issues they have to fix, which I don't know are going to happen. On the other hand, Lost Ark came out recently. And Lost Ark, not created by Amazon Game Studios, it's created by a Korean company, uh, which I need to find the name of, but published by Amazon Game Studios in English. So, just a publishing deal. Lost Ark, tremendously successful. Still tremendously successful. Doing very, very well. Um, the only like hiccup with it is it is a Korean-designed MMO, and a lot of the Korean MMOs right now are chasing that very, like, Black Desert microtransactions feel, and Lost Ark isn't necessarily very different, although it is a lot more friendly to just play without doing that. It'll just, it'll just take longer. So I think that is probably their, their cash cow right now, and I think that will be their cash cow for the foreseeable future because they have years of content to port over. So they're going to still be here for a while, but I wonder if they can recover from this. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Because uh, at least the the uh, the article I saw about it um, said something about a bunch of employees kind of like pointing to him being the reason for why certain things didn't go so well. Yeah. So I could kind of see that as being like, oh well, you know, you, you got you got Mister Bad Man out. That's fine. But as we've talked about before, both in like negative and positive ways, it's really hard to just have like a one guy affect the whole like game development team sort of deal. It depends, right? Because, like, one executive under the right conditions could completely ruin a game, right? Yeah. But I don't think that has happened here repeatedly, right? Mm -hmm. I don't buy it that this happened to three games. Because we haven't heard too much about what he did exactly, and I feel like if it was, like, the same stuff happening, like, employees would be kind of... We would have a Jason Schreier article, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't, so... Yeah, I just think this is an interesting position for Amazon to be in, especially because like I I'm not opposed to there being another big gaming company that can support AAA studios out here, but Amazon clearly just like is not ready to support their own studio. So, and I also feel like when you're when you're as big as Amazon and you're trying to make a name for yourself, you have to come out of the gate strong. Yeah. You have to make yeah. a, that really, especially if you're gonna have something that's. This with this much marketing behind it, with this much whatever behind it, you have to come out of the gate really strong. 
and they're kind of O for, I would say O for, or what, 0.5 for two right now, because I think New, uh, New World launched strongly, and then they couldn't yeah. keep their player base. I think initial and, sales of New World probably recouped a lot of the cost, but I doubt the entire cost, especially because of the size of Amazon and how long that game was in development and how many times it had to restructure. So, And let's also not forget that it's not their first four-way into game industry either. We had Crucible. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Made yeah, by what the was that again? people. <laughs> exactly. It was like, it was a, a cool concept for a game of basically this action hero shooter thing. I uh, died oh, immediately. Hero shooter. No players, because it just kind of launched into early access on Epic, of all things, just randomly, mm -hmm. with no marketing behind it. Well, and the big issue, too, is that you had this roster of heroes, and you had three completely different game modes that were all should be balanced completely differently, but you yeah. have the same set of heroes. I mean, it's and the it's reason that League of Legends has one map and one game mode for the primary ranked mode, right? Because everything is balanced around that, uh, and that mm -hmm. works very well. All right, let's let's move on. Talk about some other things. PlayStation and Sony are rumored to have a subscription service. We've talked about this idea before, but Bloomberg is reporting that this is going to be unveiled very soon, uh, possibly by the time this podcast is out. For the general audience, this might have been oh. revealed. Uh, sometime this week is the purported reveal date. So, I think for their version of Xbox Live. Uh, not the, not Xbox Live. It's their version Pass. of Game Pass. Or Game Pass, right, right. Under code oh, yeah, name Spartacus. Places. Yes. Mm. Yeah. For so some reason. <laughs> I, I really want to know what shape this is going to take. Uh, I also want to know if Sony is going to pull all of the big guns out, right? That's the thing. Because if they don't, it's like, if you do anything less than Game Pass, Game Pass already does a lot. If you do one yeah. thing less, it's like, well, it's automatically worse by like a sizable margin. Yeah. And at least some of the rumors that I've I've heard have said that uh, it's going to be a while before they have any like Sony day one exclusives, like the same way how like a Halo mm -hmm. game will come out and it'll just be on Game Pass or like an indie game will come out and just be on Game Pass with the subscription day I'm one. I'm just imagining like Apparently, if they wanted to push this, I feel like work something out with Elden Ring, right? That would have been the statement yeah. of your streaming service of or not streaming service, Game Pass service. Have Elden Ring be the launch title for it, right? Do something they like that. They could have you... negotiated something like that. I, I, like, is that something they could even pull off? Even if well, they, they have, they've done it with FromSoft before because Bloodborne is a Sony exclusive. I, to my knowledge, I feel like, like PlayStation and Sony—they don't really do indie games as well and as yeah. much as you see in Microsoft yeah. with, with games. Microsoft has. I don't know. I I don't know what they would have to offer their version of game pass because yeah. would, would it just be their their major single single player titles because i'll just buy whichever ones of those i want instead of get, well i think their their game pass service i feel like that's what they're gonna do because day one especially since the ps4 is launched sony's always been we have curated high quality big budget exclusives that's their thing yeah. and so i think that's really, they've put all of their eggs in that basket, which is not a bad basket to be in, because you got a lot of good games in that It's basket. a risky basket but to be in. It is a risky basket to be in, because if you can't keep pumping out the quality that they have been for the past, you know, five, six years, it's, everything crumbles. But it's, 
the pricing is going to be interesting because yeah. they have a lot of good exclusives that come out and they drip feed it over the year enough where they're not like overloading you with like tons. It's like when Ubisoft, like when they have an Ubisoft year and they come out with like five games all within yeah. like two months of each other, PlayStation <laughs> doesn't do that. It's and rare. So, like if it happens, it's usually an accident of a bunch of things got delayed to around the same time mm -hmm. span. Perfect example. The closest they've ever had of two games releasing is Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima, right? Like yeah, those yeah. were weeks of each other, I think, something like that. A little like more. A month yeah, box. around that time frame. So it's if. I feel like that is what they're going to be focusing on because that's their bread and butter. And if that's the case, what's pricing going to look like? Because it's going to be a really... You're going to have to really come up with an interesting pricing structure or a really good, good Because I do think there's some interesting things you could do here that I think would be big draw numbers. First of all, they just bought Bungie. Uh, Destiny is leaving Game Pass. I just left Game Pass, I think, this month. So swap that on to... PlayStation yeah. with all the that expansions so and I think <laughs> they then have a legitimate draw as as salty as oh, yeah, if it's with every expansion that it <laughs> yeah that'd be well, I yeah. think it has to be right otherwise it's not yeah, notable it does. right mm -hmm. um minimum it has to be everything up to Witch Queen right there's a, a real risk with with Destiny now with the lack of older content I think that if you aren't including current expansions it's not as much of a draw uh, but yeah. if you are I think you'll you'll draw a lot of people in, especially because Witch Queen is pretty well regarded. Um, I think you, you'd get a lot of people in on that campaign. I do think things like Mass Effect Legendary uh, work in EA Play somehow. That's a, a big opportunity there. Um, the biggest thing to me is the PS3 library. Because yeah. the PS3 oh. library is not on anything else. There's so many PS3 games that you can't play anywhere else. Uh, PS Now exists and kind of works, but not incredibly well. Uh, it's very confusing, too, how to, how to like yeah. pick up PS Now, and it's separate from the normal PlayStation subscription. I think you, you bill that you have included Metal Gear Solid 4 in your streaming game platform, and it's included with like this new PlayStation Plus Game Pass-style subscription... I think you rope in a lot of people. Do you yeah. think there's the slightest possibility they could have PSP and PS Vita games? I do. Yeah. Ported. That's that's the thing. PS Vita would have, be tricky. They they could still they it's still a thing they have to do for a draw though because they have this whole yeah. backlog of games that you can maybe play in like two or three places and none of which are like like right now modern like I plug it into my TV on my with my PS5. Like Persona 4 and, Golden and was a huge selling point for the Vita for like 10 years. Until now it's on Steam. Because yeah. it was the only way to play that game. And like people would go out and buy a Vita TV to play that game on a TV. So I, I do think wow. legitimately there is a lot of and like the Vita TV played games at like five sixty P, the same resolution as the PS Vita on your TV. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think people are really willing to jump through some hoops here to play these games and it's mm -hmm. something they really need to to focus on. And if Sony does, I think that it'll be a huge success. If they don't, I could just see it dying immediately, uh, at least yeah. until they do something better. Because Game Pass is such a good service right now, it is hard to compete with it. I think the main reason for that is that Microsoft put their eggs in different baskets to keep yeah. my analogy going. They, they've reached such a wide... like Most of their games are on PC now. There's so much integration with their entire 
ecosystem and it's super welcoming and super friendly to people who yes. haven't even played you know games or have really been in that ecosystem before playstation's the exact opposite so it, it's made me think a lot too about like does something like this even make sense for playstation to begin with like if if they if they're doing what you were suggesting where they look back at ps3 you know legacy titles and stuff like that i think that's a great start but eventually, because Game Pass is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger, eventually they may have to look in another direction. And whatever direction that is, I don't know. But it seems like it's a really yeah. like steep uphill climb. Because I think the PS3 library would hold people over long enough until Sony can figure out how to incorporate this first-party major titles as like day one launches, yeah. right? So I, I think that is how this will end up working, is... If they do that and go that route, it's going to be PS2, PS3, and Vita PSP titles will be like the draw for a while until we get newer things. Because, like, there's so many PS2 games as well. And I imagine getting a lot of these to work on the PS5 architecture, especially, is relatively easy because you can just emulate it. Yes. At that point, it's powerful enough to just emulate most things. Bring some of the PS2, like, JRPGs and stuff that are super hard to find back. Give people a way to play Xenosaga and Xenogears. Like, go back to PS1 and bring these games up in a way that is playable. Um, yeah. I think that would draw an immediate audience. Because, like, Xbox did the same thing with backwards compatibility and, like, adding a bunch of older games over time. And that has clearly worked. <laughs> so, I think they have a lot of opportunity here. They just got to do it. All right. Moving us along, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is delayed to spring 2023, surprising nobody. <laughs> They were oh, well. very adamant this game wouldn't get delayed, and yet everyone knew it would get delayed. <laughs> so... No, no one should ever say that a game won't get delayed. Yeah, Gotham it's Knights is still October this year, unless some delay happens. Uh, and I think October. Will. Well, we'll see. Because Gotham Knights, I think we've seen gameplay of already. We've seen some more convincing footage. So I think that one is less likely to get delayed, especially if they're going to save it up for like a big E3 blowout. So I, I predict that's what they're going with that game. Uh, all right. Our last, I think, major bit of news from this week, CD Projekt Red has announced a new Witcher game is in development. Except immediately after the last podcast. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Within like 12 um, hours. Yep. Tru uh, crucially. Oh, go for sorry, it, Alex. Go I, for I it. don't. The, the, the big points of this being uh, the tagline, a new saga begins. Yeah. Uh, so don't know if it's going to be uh, with Siri. It's most likely not going to be called The Witcher 4. Probably going to have some type of a subtitle. Yeah, the medallion um, is a lynx. That's been confirmed. Yeah, it's so not the wolf. We've... So it's not Siri's medallion. Because yeah. Geralt gave well, Siri his. Careful. I mean, I guess that's not the biggest problem. I'm just saying careful with spoilers is all I'm saying. Well, it's also... Um, so, okay... Minor spoilers for the truth. I'm not going to spoil any events or anything, but just a thing that happens. There's multiple endings, right? The canon ending is not the one that most people think it is. Um, I'll put it that way. A lot of people think it's a specific ending. Most people are wrong. As of right now, CD Projekt Red has said a different ending as canon. Uh, so I encourage anyone to look it up and see that, because that is the thing that I think draws people away from this being a Siri game, especially because Siri, Siri is overpowered as a character, right? She has space-time abilities. Yeah. You could make a really fun game with that, but I don't see CD Projekt doing it. Fingers I, I think crossed they you get to create your own character. Story. 
I don't know. I'm but cu- I, I I don't buy that with them. <laughs> you, I I don't think you. It's. I'm down for visual customization, but I'm still I still want to play a set character because the writing is so good with okay. it, right? Yeah. Like V style thing. I think yeah. would be okay, but yeah, that it that do. I just I keep do it think, third person, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want more companies to jump on the character creator bandwagon just because they can, because I think it, it does yeah. inhibit your writing sometimes. Or so. well, maybe not character creation, but have a customizable, yeah, a customizable appearance character. as far as Geralt's was, you know, like being able to change uh, hairdo and things like that. Yeah. God, I loved the real-time growing beard. It was so fun. <laughs> now, here's the other thing. With this announcement, they've also announced that they're going to be using Unreal Engine 5. Yes. And yeah. Their, yeah. What is it? The Red Engine, Red I think Engine. it's called? Yeah. yeah. Smartest decision they could have possibly made because I don't think anyone <laughs> ever wants to see a game made in the same engine as Cyberpunk ever again. <laughs> it's like, it's clear saying, that oh, engine what... did great with The Witcher. Yes. <laughs> but not but with if you want to do something different, yeah, then, then you and... end up cyberpunking yourself. I... You end up, uh, we talked about the same thing with Frostbite trying to do like a Mass Effect game. It's just make the game that the engine was made to do. And if you try to do something different, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have made your own engine. <laughs> and, and I hear people saying, ooh, what's what's this? Oh, this points into a bad direction for CD Projekt Red abandoning all that work on the Red Engine. No, power to them for being able to admit their mistakes. The mis- yeah. the you know, the bad thing would be, you know, blindly going ahead with Red Engine after yeah. all the pain it's caused them. That's the problem that Bethesda has. They refuse. Refuse. Well, the thing to... I gotta shoot the Bethesda argument down before it gets too far along, because key thing with Bethesda's modability, Unreal is going to make modding this game very difficult, um, unless it's unless they do some very specific things. Of course, Unreal Five could be different, but Bethesda really wants modding to be a thing, and so they need to have an engine they can expose to the public, specifically with their code and without like releasing which the source with, code of your game. Which, which Using I Unreal understand. for that would be bad. Which I understand, but it also has a very negative effect a negative effect on their their vanilla game. But that that's a different argument. But yeah, I, I think I, it, that's too complex a thing to get into uh, at yes, this current moment because it will take up what all I, the time talking about that. Yeah, I, I, what I did want to say too is that it's not like they're just abandoning an engine that they spent. So they got a lot of leverage out yeah. of the red engine, right? Yeah, they're still I mean, developing three... the cyberpunk expansions yeah. in red engine. Yeah. So. Was, did they, was the, did red engine start with Witcher three or did they use it for, um, Witcher I think it's the same engine they've been using for a long time. Just kind of, well, there you go. Modifiably you know, upgraded. You, can, you know, if you can, if you can take an engine that's spanned an entire trilogy of games plus cyberpunk, <laughs> um, that's a good and that you know that's a good you got your value lifespan for your for your engine and if it's time to move on it's time to move on there's nothing wrong with that oh, yeah. one one of the other pointers for good or bad probably on the more negative side is that I believe wasn't was it the head writer behind The Witcher Three is not with CD Projekt anymore a lot of people for... <laughs> from The Witcher Three era are not with CD Projekt anymore yeah that that's a key thing to remember here CD Projekt has a very high turnover rate um, even among game companies so. Don't expect the same thing. Uh, that would be my best advice for people. There are a lot of high-profile CD Projekt Red uh, quest designers and writers that left after Cyberpunk launched. So, take of why. that what you will. But can't imagine why. <laughs> it could just be people leaving at the end of the game's development cycle. That is totally possible. At the same time, it could be indicative of a much bigger problem. 
So we'll see when this game comes out. All right. With that, You're time to talk about. Oh yeah, Wyatt. I'm so sorry. To, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to talk about the most important news piece of news at all. Grand Theft Auto Five has a subscription service now. Oh God. And today's topic for the podcast is right. <laughs> negative shout out to that. Yeah, there's a collective anti shout out. Is a bad idea and a bad deal. <laughs> Everyone immediately laughed at it. I don't think anyone's taking it seriously. It's so stupid. Outside of subscription-based MMOs, there are very, very few uh, real applications for a lot for something like this, especially in Grand Theft Auto, which has been going on since what 2013 and hasn't needed one yeah. until this moment. Until they've already announced that they're working on the next one. Why would you get it now? Of Until people have been begging for them to stop and just make the next one already. Now they're adding a subscription model. Well, I imagine the they're adding the subscription model because it's very cheap to do, right? Oh, you I'm don't sure. Need to put a lot yeah. of effort in for this. I think that's and probably what's happening here. Um, all right, moving past that. The only other actual bit of news I, I did have that I glossed over: uh, Nintendo is discontinuing Dragalia Lost, which was their big foray into the mobile market, aside from Fire Emblem Heroes. It's not not succeeded. One gotcha game I play. Uh, Dragalia Lost, from what I heard, I've never played it, but I've heard it was a decent game. It's, it's dying. <laughs> They're done with it. It's yeah, so you're just ended there. Decent game. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> so so what you're, what you're yeah. saying is Dragalia Lost. Yes, yeah. it did. Uh, Nintendo has also shown desire to get out of the mobile market in the current landscape. They might become the provider of their fans. Next. As do many of their fans. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So we've, we play games on the show. And today we're going to talk about Lego games and licensed games. So, of course, our game this episode has to be, what property do you want to see a Lego game of that doesn't have one? Elden Ring. I feel like those kits would be pretty <laughs> bonkers. Hey, yeah. Imagine that's the it Elden Ring be. easy mode. It's Lego Elden Ring. <laughs> I think oh that would God. be fun. That'd be a fun and time. It's still the hardest Lego game ever made. <laughs> and alternatively, I'll say if you would rather see Lego sets of a specific property that already exists, you can throw that out as well. That's that's what I would I, want. I, to mean, do. I want some I mean, Final I Fantasy a, Lego sets. I have a, cool. a a real quick obvious one. Um, Avatar: The Last Airbender would make a oh, great yes Lego game. Bring bring that series. Honestly, Eck. it doesn't even doesn't even need to be a Lego. Th- it just we you know what? No, it's because I want to build games. them. You know <laughs> what? Lego avatar set- games, my guys. Seriously. <laughs> God, you you know what Lego sets I'd like to see? Well, again, and then also new. Um, bring back Exo Force, please. God, Lego, you cowards! <laughs> I want my mechs back, and I want my characters with plastic rubber hair. Yes, I want yeah. the squishy hair. Bring it back. Some squishy uh, Also, uh, Gundam Lego. Yeah, they've they've got two different building, uh, two different building methods. I I prefer giant robots. Either way, come on, give them to me. Especially if they they use the Legos to make like sets to put your Gundams in. So you build like a Lego hangar bay for your Gundams to go in. (gasps) Ooh, that's that's the money route. (laughs) If the set, if you can also still like do the the 
um the the skeleton and then have modular bits so you can still mix and match yeah, the, the yeah. oh yeah yeah or Classic. lego evangelion just printing money here alex <laughs> <laughs> i want to buy all of these this is not good it's because that audience it doesn't matter that they're small they're gonna buy all of it <laughs> That's oh yeah, the, totally. The big... <laughs> I'm picturing I'm picturing one of the Evas being as lanky as like what what were those like big like larger Lego action figures that were the knights or something like that. Oh yeah, like the pre bionicle thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm picturing like bionicle or like the Lego knight sort of janky limbed uh, yeah, yeah. an Eva for that. Oh, that I'd that would also, be fun. I'd I'd love to see um, because this is just based off of another like Lego series, but um, do you guys remember uh, what was it called? Uh, Mars mission or like mission yeah. to Mars or something Mars like mission, that. Yeah, that's a that was a really cool. Some real classics. Uh, that was a really Lego. cool Lego series that I'd love to see because they actually like a like a weird like turn based strategy thing with that could be kind of interesting or like real time yeah. strategy could be kind of cool. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I, I think there could be a cool like uh excavation thingy with how you know lego bricks are handled if you do like there was this weird like lego miner go. series with the little rock power people miners, and the people with the yeah. blue power yeah. yeah with the blue helmets and the green vehicles and, and i'd love to see like because lego worlds was kind of starting to go in that direction right but imagine a game that was really sticking to it and just like went for a proper like imagine motherload the old flash game but it's oh. lego and it's like first person or something oh. right i'm just imagining yeah. that first and how person fun lego game yeah like why not just give me give me like the ability to ride the lego vehicles and like see them going and whatnot i think that'd be you super fun uh, i'm picturing your hands too. coming up like yeah yeah little, little claw it's, hands. It's, it's surprising that we haven't gotten a lego game that's been really popular that focuses on like community made creations and stuff like that which yeah. I guess you just have regular Legos for it, but like games are starting to do that a lot more too. So it would be cool to see a Lego game that like involves a lot of like community made. I miss the yeah, MMO Lego, Lego universe. Ooh. Yeah, a Lego Little Big Planet would be a great honestly way to do it. Not a bad, not a bad template for a for a Lego game. I miss Lego universe. Everyone does. Die we too all soon. Okay, we all do. We all do. <laughs> Even if it was a description game. Moment of silence for Lego universe. All right, moment of silence done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, any other thrown into the ring ideas for for Lego games or Lego sets you want to see? We we mentioned it just kind of offhand, and I know there's an indie one coming out, but I where where's my AAA Bionicle game? Where's uh, my where's my large level, maybe even open world Bionicle game? Where why can't I go, to go? across oh, yeah. Montanui? Where, where, was, where is was, it? Like, oh, has there I don't... been has there been any more news on the like most recent Bionicle game in development by by that one indie studio? Um, not very recently. The fan projects seen. has been it looked like blogs yeah, and whatnot project. about it, but nothing super interesting. I think at least to the layperson, it does look good. All right, with that, let's talk about our, our primary topic here. We're talking about Lego games and licensed games as well to extend it out. If anyone here hasn't spent a good amount of time playing Lego games. Uh, this is all in in honor, we'll say, until the game releases and maybe is bad. Hopefully not. The Lego <laughs> Star Wars Skywalker Saga game that's coming out that I think has attracted a lot of our attention just for being... It seems like what happens if you just handed the Lego team a lot of time and money and told them to make a really good Star Wars game. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're like, so guys, what, uh, what's, what's our budget for this year's Star Wars game? Yes. 
uh, no, no, five no, years. Like, and... <laughs> no, no, but like specifics, like how much money? It's like how much yes. you want. <laughs> George Lucas just walks down with a blank check. Put <laughs> my, my George Lucas checks here. Uh, you can put however much you want on here. I can afford it. It's fine. Never touched a Lego brick in my life. <laughs> <laughs> please, please tell me the amount of money before Baby Yoda sucks the rest of my life force out. God. Oh no. <laughs> or the mouse comes by asking for another check. <laughs> Alright, so I do wanna I'm gonna throw some things out here that Lego Star Wars the Skywalker saga has in it. Because I think this is the uh the selling point of this game that is really just interesting to me because it's very, very over-designed almost compared to your average Lego game because I I to refresh my memory have gone back and played a few Lego games over the past couple of weeks uh I just earlier today played some Lego Star Wars the complete saga the original one went through the Phantom Menace (laughs) (laughs) I will say they I forgot how much they skip in of the Phantom Menace in the Lego game they just don't do all it's of the almost bad like it's a really boring movie that wouldn't make for a very good Lego game. And one it's level is like just the, the pod racing. Just like one <laughs> of mm-hmm. a very short pod race. Yeah, it's fun. It's they very must fun. have been st- struggling to t- try and make that into a game. I can't even Probably. imagine. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple things that are different about this game. It does have 300 characters. Mm-hmm. At base, and there's like an additional twenty something, thirty something they've already announced as the the DLC pack that's like ten bucks and comes with the game. You get it on certain platforms. However, character creation is not going to be in this Lego game. It's not. Wait, what? That it's not been uh, confirmed that it does not have character customization. As of a few I'm going to tell ago. people this right now, and they're going to be so sad. They're going to be so sad. So, so what happened? The reason this is a headline article now that I just saw is uh, there was an interview with Traveler Tales um, back in E3 of 2019 where they confirmed this game was going to have character creation, and then someone just recently tweeted back out saying, oh, character creation is confirmed, and then TT Games replied saying, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be in the game. <laughs> So we're well, losing character. Brent and I are looking it up right now. <laughs> I'm not looking. I'm, I'm telling people it's not going to. I got to break the news. I got to break the news <laughs> now. I'm not even going to do it slowly. I'm just going to. Hey, just listen. You just got to take it. Yeah. So I don't know. This is not a, a major miss to me, mostly because I've, I've never used the character creator in a Lego game. No, I, I, I got to disagree with you, right? <laughs> I hard disagree. <laughs> Look. <laughs> I think I would happily trade the character creator for all the stuff we're getting. Because there's, there's the a one... big list of stuff we're getting. But, uh, in the uh... one Star Wars in the one Lego Star Wars game I've played, that's the only time I've used the character creator. And I still remember their name. Uh Rigi Plonkblor. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> that's a pretty standard Star Wars name, to be honest. You're gonna tell me that pretty the standard. one Star Wars game, the one Lego Star Wars thing that has Claude in it, I'm yep. not going to be able to put his head on a Jedi and and make Claude into a Jedi. I have to wonder why. Saying. I do but make Claude into a bounty why hunter. It's not in the game. Uh, it's because it's important. I think to me, this says when they did that initial interview, they hadn't made finalized character models, 
And because for this game, so one thing they confirmed they're doing is instead of having just a lot of things in the game that aren't Legos, what they did for a lot of locations and creatures is they made Lego-like things Hmm. that would look like the plastic molding you would get from a like official Lego of these creatures into it. So I'm wondering if they did this for more than just those things and did it for a lot of the characters too, where they're not detachable Hmm. parts anymore. They're actually like a full 3D model. I have uh, to wonder if that's the the problem here. Because I could see that being the case. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this though, because it doesn't have that feature, the rest of the game now has to be like slightly better than it, people say. It does. Yeah, I'm not this. saying it doesn't. Um, so some other stuff I, this game has that I think are are new additions to Lego Star Wars, and were in Battlefront Two back in the day. You can board capital ships and fight them in the inside. Yep. In the open galaxy. For me, that feature just about balances it out. With the... um, (laughs) We'll see how it works um, in practice. With not having the character creator, I'm so beyond excited for having open space warfare. That, to me, sounds like the coolest thing you could have in a LEGO game, is boarding a capital (laughs) ship and taking it over from the inside. That seems like the coolest thing you could have in a game besides a train level. It was, back in Battlefront 2. And to be clear, the game can still be good without it. I just didn't know this until just now, and I I am disappointed. But, I mean, the game can still be good on its own terms. Yeah. It'll be but... fine, I guess. <laughs> it's ruined for Brett completely. <laughs> Brett's completely lost interest now. Uh... Well, because I have so many fond memories of not even playing the game, just my friends and I just dicking around, making weird like characters and giving them stupid names like i have so many fond memories of doing that like that's all we would do we'd play the game for like two hours and that's all we would do is just hit up the character creator stuff and just mess around yeah Yeah. so the game is going to have 45 levels they've confirmed this which is five levels per episode Hmm. what was that head back wyatt no it's a lot it i mean it's a lot but when you break it down by movie that's only five levels of movie so there's going to be yeah, cuts here. There's going to be some some big cuts. That, that, um, was, that was a good. That was a good. Like, oh, oh my god! Are there going that to be cuts? Head back. <laughs> are are there going to be cuts, or do you think the levels might be longer to include a I little bit more content? So what? Hopefully having just played Complete Saga earlier today, Complete Saga's approach to levels is basically a like 15 minute sequence of the movie converted into a Lego level with some puzzles added to pad the length of it. And some like exploratory places to go to. So what I think the approach for this game is going to be, and I think they've confirmed some idea of this, is more expansive open levels that cover like a location rather than a scene is where I think yeah. this is gonna go, right? And if you have like a scene or a couple of scenes in space, like I'm imagining the the last Jedi space chase, that's probably a level, right? Like the whole movie, it's like half the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like half more than the half of the movie. Um, I am curious. But they only have to do uh, two levels for the Last Jedi. So, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people may not know this, but there is a third, like old school Lego Star Wars game. There's like four Lego Star Wars games. This is a, the original trilogy, the sequels, uh, the prequels, or not the sequels. Because it's only a Force Awakens sequel game. Um, the prequels, and then there's also a Clone Wars Lego Star Wars game that was really good. Uh, The Clone Wars Lego Star Wars game is my, like, favorite Lego game, 
because it has like RTS battles you could do. And it had this thing where you would, because a lot of Clone Wars episodes had characters doing two things uh, cooperatively but in different locations, what they would do is allow you to hot swap between locations by swapping characters. So you'd get like this comic book feeling flash across the screen when you swap characters to like a different area of the level and you'd be like cooperating with your other character to do things, which I think is a super cool idea. Um, and I could see that being used to, to some effect here if they do something similar where you have those locational swapping things mm -hmm. to kind of address the issue with how do you convert these like two hour movies into five levels per movie. Because uh, for some movies, it's definitely easier than others. I think definitely most of the original trilogy, you can hit all those, all the core moments yeah. in those movies very easily in five levels. But like, I can't imagine what Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> not Revenge of the Sith, um, Return of the Jedi is going to be a bonkers one uh, just because of how much happens in that movie. Yeah. I think Attack of the Clones is going to be super weird because there's so much in it. Rise of Skywalker, I don't know what's going <laughs> to what Rise Even, of Skywalker is going to look like. If, if, if we're going up the, the, the assumption that these are going to be like five levels that are like areas from these movies, like I, I wonder how like they're going to stick to that because some, some movies just like have so many or legitimately yeah. like, like too few. And that there's, there's, it's weird. It's going to be weird to see what they cut or what they have to just like kind of finagle in to make each game have or each movie have five. Because like, yeah, I mean, even for even for um, Empire Strikes Back, that movie goes like everywhere in in it, it's so good because it just goes everywhere in one movie. I, I don't know. There's prop. There might be just like five places and my brain just can't like coagulate them together because there's so much <laughs> back and forth. And I'm just thinking about the plot in a very short amount of time right now. But like that specifically and some of the worst ones, uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker, especially like, I don't know like how, how you're going to you go to like 10 like, different planets in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And so many that they're just there for like, all right, two minutes. Uh, there's well, look at that weird alien. Look at that worm. <laughs> Live worm reaction. <laughs> Slug reaction. Slug <laughs> reaction. Yep. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of potential here. To go over the list of locations that we know exist so far, Naboo, okay. you got to have that in for episode one and two. Uh, mm -hmm. Tatooine, obviously. Coruscant, which I'm glad That's to see. That's in every single one of them. Coruscant, <laughs> you say. All of these planets are like explorable outside of levels. Like they are essentially miniature open hubs, yeah, which is, I think it would be very exciting. Yeah. I think it would be. God, I I wish they have Alderaan in there just as a Alderaan death screen. is not in this list. Uh, <laughs> just as a death screen. It can't be. We do have Camino. You go so there, you just we're immediately gonna get a Camino die. level at some point, which is interesting. Geonosis, I think, for the big battle on Attack of the Clones, obviously. Makes oh, sense. Kashyyyk 100%. for another big yes. battle on Attack of the Clones. Uh, Utapau, Mustafar. Yes. Uh, Yavin 4, Hoth, Dagobah, Bespin, Endor, Jakku, Takodana, Dequar. I don't know what Dequar is. I have is. no idea what the last three you said Starkiller Base, Octo, Kentonica, Crate, Agent Claus, Pasana, Kajimi, Kef, Beer, and Exegol. Bless you. <laughs> Some of these names to me, I know we've seen them. Uh, but they are such a silly set of names. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dakar right, is in Force Awakens where the Resistance Operation base is. 
Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, how how else are you gonna name your sci-fi fantasy epic planets? Really, they they have yeah. perfectly fitting names that you just can't remember because there's too many of them. <laughs> yep, I do think that there's a, a fair chance a lot of these are not going to be the full explorable planets. Uh, yeah, no, they're probably gonna limit that to like three, maybe. Well, it's more than three because you can see the galaxy map. Than... They've shown the galaxy map, and the galaxy map is the explorable places. Mm. If I can find, I'll try and find that while we're talking, but. Yeah, yeah the, the list of like fully explorable planets is slightly smaller. I think a lot of those are going to be like vignettes and levels and whatnot. But just the sheer scale of this game is very staggering. Yes, you have a. I do have a question. Given given the because this feels like the this feels like in many ways like the last word in terms of like Lego Star Wars games because we've gotten you know individual ones and then we've gotten like collections before, but this feels like. Uh, they, and they they probably haven't said this, but they're like, if they just ended with like, this is the last Lego Star Wars game we're making, and we're just putting everything into it. Yeah, like it, yeah. it feels a lot like that. It's almost like the uh, the the Smash Ultimate where it's like, okay, this is it. It's all here. So, yep. Don't ask everyone, for it everything. Everything is here that you could possibly want from this franchise from these nine movies. Yeah. We're putting it in here, and that's that. <laughs> yeah. I, Which is, I think they do have a route to expand here because Star Wars has started going in other directions now. Especially Clone Wars has like this huge cult following now. Uh, Mandalorian is obviously massively successful. Uh, yeah. um, I think you have Bad Batch has also been doing really well. And they're making character packs for a lot of these characters. So they, they clearly have the hmm. gameplay mechanics worked out. So I wonder if they're going to go the route of releasing some DLC or maybe just a different game down the line that is covering specific areas in depth. Because I think like so many people would be into a Clone Wars or a Rebels game that covers a more significant portion oh my God, of the A Rebels show. game? Absolutely. Especially because like, uh, Rebels, I think, is, has some really interesting moments that you don't see in the best way because the TV show is not planned out the best. Um, yeah. That's putting it lightly. <laughs> Well, Rebels well, that's is after the that's the first season. It gets better. Yeah, after Rebels that. after the first season is a lot smoother. But that first season, I think, is is a major stopping point for a lot of people. So that so then let me say this because that's a good point. But would you say that this may be the last word in terms of the Skywalker saga? Like, yes. Because yeah. it seems like, and obviously we need to play the game. But from everything we've heard, it's like, what else do you need? Yeah. In a Lego. Yeah, Star I don't know where you would it go. It has everything, unless Disney for. God knows what reason decides to do another trilogy in the Skywalker, whatever. Leave. I hope they don't. <laughs> I hope they alone. don't. I'm eating the dead <laughs> as horse. Someone, as someone who like defends some of these sequel movies, please, for the love of God, do not end Make it. Another one. <laughs> but I, I, again, I feel like in terms of like the Skywalker, like the mainline movies, the Skywalker saga, this is like the last word. This is. This is it. This is everything you could possibly want. We're going to do some DLC to maybe flesh out some other things, whatever. We're leaving it there. And I would, it seems like, you know, as long as the game comes out, it's good. I feel like everyone would be fine with that. Yeah. Were you, were you uh, looking up praying to Michael Mouse? Michael Mouse. Also, I will confirm I was wrong. Basically, all of these planets are accessible through the galaxy map. Uh, oh my God. Which is a staggering amount of things. <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird. It's weird for some of them. Like, is is Yavin yeah. Four actually on the galaxy map yes, as like a is. fully explorable? Why that that's not even like 
one room is in the movie. Two rooms is in the movie for Yavin. What is Yavin? Well, you say that they made a couple of rooms. You say that they've made a they've made a battlefront map out of that for both the original yeah. one and two and the newer one and two. So. Yeah, but we're we're going off movies. It's like I have a feeling a lot of these locations are going to be a lot smaller than others, right? Like Coruscant and Tatooine are obviously going to be the big boys. Yeah, I would, and I would hope there's that difference the because I, I have to be, I have to question because we, we don't have the game in our hands yet, right? And I would like, what I is would, the I point would, of making Dakar a travelable to location? Yes, in the I, galaxy it, map, are are these other places gonna be there? And it's like, oh, cool, I can explore this. I've always wanted to explore this. Or is it gonna be? I wish I. I wish I could just kind of explore Tatooine more instead of having some of the developer time and energy be put in this area that mm. isn't really all that fleshed out or great. And I have to wonder, because all of it, this is this is a long list yeah. of really cool stuff that just like Wyatt said, if it's successful, you don't really have to make another like Skywalker-centric Lego Star Wars game. And importantly, it's also, there's a few key like missing things from this map. The biggest one is the Death Star. So oh, the running theory right now is oh. that the Death Star is going to be classified as a capital vehicle. Okay. That you can actually, like, pilot. That's cool. What? I'll, I'll, I, yeah, maybe, I'm not going to make any Maybe you any get Alderaan and you can blow but, it up, Alex. What? <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> because... I have... Excuse me? The big ships are confirmed to be vehicles that, to some degree, you have some ability to enter and possibly drive. So Alderaan was vehicular manslaughter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I need to follow up. I need to follow up with what I said though, with with a big, giant, butt, because I like all it as great a juicy. things. Well, it you're not gonna like it because oh, no. the big giant butt is the flip side, is that it comes out, it has you know this list of things, but it's like. Oh, cool. All these open areas. They all feel like a miniature Final Fantasy 15 and they're just big yeah. and there's nothing in them uh... and they're poorly structured and there's so many but they take so long to get through. There's so but there's this is it it's a risky thing to just go out and do all this big stuff. I I think I don't know if, if Traveler's Tales has made these games, but there have been certain Lego games in the past few years that have come out that have like open area design. That there's basically just yeah. like a Lego GTA that came out pretty recently. That's apparently pretty fun. It is good. But like at the same time, good game. Yeah, I've hmm. I've heard good things. But like this, this the scale, the scale is huge, and the risk factor because of that is huge. Yeah. And I just, I just, I, I gotta, I gotta have a little bit of worry in the back of my head. Like you're gonna do all this. This could be the good last Lego game in Skywalker, having to do with Nist, or this could be the bad last Skywalker uh, <laughs> Star Wars game, and that it'll just come out and be like half baked. And when something like this complicated is half baked, it could be very, very destructively bad. And I really others, don't want it to be destructively bad. To add on to that. I feel like one of the things that makes Lego games so good is that they're very reasonably scaled for what they are. They mm -hmm. aren't these massive, like, AAA open world stuff. They're, they're you know, kind of more traditional linear platformers with some open areas and hub worlds and stuff. But they're very modestly scaled for, especially for the subject matter for Star yeah. Wars, they're pretty modestly scaled. And so... 
This is the first time we're going to see something because they've had, like you said, they've had open world ones. Like they've had like open world superhero ones. They had Lego City and Cover and stuff, but nothing like this. And so, it, yeah, it, it, we'll see. <laughs> and we, we do have confirmation to some degree of some of the pilotable ships. So we know the Tantiv Four, which is the big cruiser that you see very first thing in Star Wars, is a spawnable okay. pilotable ship. Why? <laughs> See, because I'm just thinking, why? Because like, because like we said, this is their last hurrah for the Skywalker saga. They want to cover everything. What does anyone want to do in a Star Wars game? I also feel like this is do? building out a foundation for other Lego games that it feels like they can take a lot of these things that they've put here, like the third-person shooter mechanics, the mm -hmm. combo-based combat, and just pull that into any setting they really want to. Obviously, some of the animations need to be edited and whatnot, but it feels like they've created a framework here that will work really well for a lot of settings. Uh, like, I've seen some people suggesting an Indiana Jones that has yeah, totally. this kind of combo-based combat with, like, mm -hmm. whip stuff. It'd be super cool. Um, obviously, like, a Harry Potter game like this. I, I don't think that's going to happen because Hogwarts Legacy is coming out, but there's a lot of potential here for other franchises. Like... I would love to see them redo the Hobbit Lego game. That's not amazing with yeah, yeah. this type of combat. Uh, especially, like, imagine playing Lego Loss in a Lego game and, like, actually aiming your shots. Lego Loss. And doing some crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I there's so much potential here. But that's also the thing that concerns people, right? That this is the operative word and why Brett was comparing this to Final Fantasy XV. Potential is dangerous. Because if you don't meet that's the potential... You've set everyone's expectations sky high and then not hit them. Uh, I do think, based on what they've already shown of this game, bare minimum, this is going to be a fun romp in the Star Wars universe, right? Yeah, Even if all of these like open-world things that they have don't work well, you have 45 levels of Star Wars to play through that are probably really good, mm -hmm. right? So I don't think they're at as big of a risk as a lot of people think they are, but I could definitely see this turning out for the worst if it's not executed well. And I only, and again, I only bring up that concern because part of what makes these games so charming is their very, yeah. like, modest scope. And yeah. this doesn't have that, which yes. isn't a bad thing. It's just, we'll have to see how that, how it goes. And of course, the, the big question is, like, the scale of explorable ships and whatnot. Because obviously, you can't build out the interior of every ship in the game, right? It's not feasible... There's a reason Star Citizen is taking forever to come out because they're trying to do that and it's a stupid idea. So <laughs> there's, there's a limit to scale here, but there's some games that I think do do this well. Uh, X4 is a space sim I've talked about a few times where the big shtick is you are first person all the time. You can enter every ship in the game and like walk through parts of them, but generally that is limited to the docking bay and the cockpit, right, and the bridge. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. They limit it to areas you can go to. They've added some new stuff, so there's like now there's uh, a yacht you can get that has like an explorable pool and whatnot and things like that, where certain ships have more areas you can look into. But all you really need to get the scale across is a bridge and a docking bay, right? That sells you on the size of the ship you're on, and you don't need these huge explorable interiors. So I certainly think they can limit themselves on what you're exploring and still have a really good game. Because in Battlefront 2, when you raided a capital ship in Battlefront 2, it was literally like two rooms. 
it's yeah, it was like the docking bay and like it connected. And that works perfectly. Like, like that is that is yeah. all that I actually want from this is the ability to yes. land in a docking bay, get inside, and sh blast the core of the ship. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's all that's I all need. Um, there, I don't there's need really, there's else. really nice, there's really nice to have details, and then there's extraneous details where like yeah. this is just uh, yeah. so unnecessary. That's also like that's, maybe you only that's... do it for certain ships, right? Yeah. yeah. Which that 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 works. This is like the start. That, that's why maybe you build that out a little bit more. But... Yeah, that's that's it why is, I bring it is up, kind of a big place. You know, like why why the Tantive Four? Is, Probably it, I imagine it, it's because you're gonna that's gonna be part of the first level of the game, right? So they're already gonna have an interior for that ship. Yeah, but you're gonna be on the inside. No one no one drives the Tantive Four. Like I'm, I'm not right. saying I'm not what saying I don't want, want to. to. <laughs> but I'm just saying with a game with 45 levels with like 30 of them being yeah. open to some extent is like like you got it's like you said you got to have these limits like these limits of having like not not even too much for the player to do but just like too much that the devs bit off compared to what they can chew like yeah. I, I I understand like inside of Star Destroyers that's fine if you make if you make one inside of Star Destroyer you've made the interior for every single like different Star Destroyer like all twenty different variants that there've been throughout the entire franchise they all you could make the excuse that they all look the same no one would yell at you I don't think even even the 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 forty year old Star Wars fans that would complain about that are probably they're 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 past wanting to play this game <laughs> but like mm. there's there's little things like why do we need Ten to four. How, how how much how much time the tens of four take to to work compared to getting the inside of the star destroyer to work? Like, I don't, do I really need that? Just give me an X wing. That's that's, yeah. that's fine. I don't that's why I imagine a lot of, of these are just going to be. I imagine Good they've just that. scaled a lot of the ships to be like Corvette class, right? So you have this a class yeah, yeah. of ships, and all of those will function the same way, and it's basically like a visual difference because that's what a lot of Lego Star Wars. The complete saga did is when you are using characters, you're when you're using a Jedi, they're the same, right? They are the same yes. Jedi. Yeah. Maybe they have like one or two unique animations and different looks, obviously, different colored lightsabers, but they are the same uh, functionally. So I think that's going to be a lot of what we're looking at. Is they're very similar functionally. Um, I do want to bring up Lego Lord of the Rings because Lego Lord of the Rings introduced some mechanics to Lego games that I think are definitely going to be in this game that people that haven't played Lego games since then probably won't know about. So Lego Lord of the Rings, a lot more open. Uh, the explorable world in that game is like the entirety of Middle-earth, essentially. You have basically a miniature scale recreation of Middle-earth that you can fully walk around. Mm. You have towns, like full towns. Uh, Bree, like the little town that you visit at the start of the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, and find Aragorn there, it has, like, side quests. You can go there, and there are characters with side quests. And they're, all, they're simple, but they're there, and there's a lot to do, and there's many things to interact with. So uh, there are LEGO games that have a similar scale to this that exist, at least on a, a smaller level, right? Mm -hmm. But in the open-world scale, I think that's something to kind of look at, is I have a feeling a lot of these worlds are going to be about the scale of Bree in Lord of the Rings, where it's a relatively small space but with a couple of different things to do some characters to interact with uh, some things to unlock it's like a big thing in lego lord of the rings is you do a side quest and then you can unlock the ability to get a character uh, and specifically they did that for a lot of characters that aren't in the movies but are in the books so tom bombadil mm -hmm. is a big character in the books who isn't really in the movie just because it's such a 
it's an extraneous arc to the purpose of the movie, right? But he's an Bombadil is so big lore wise, though. Yeah, he's a huge deal lore wise, but it doesn't he's, matter for the movie. It's he's essentially God. Out. Yep. But you can get him as a character in Lego Lord of the Rings by going to do his side quest. So I have a feeling that's the opportunity to bring in a lot of characters that you wouldn't normally see or wouldn't interact with. Is they're going to have them have like a little quick fetch mission or something that you do mm-hmm. to unlock them. That's, that's my prediction. That that's how sense. we're going to unlock Finn as a character. <laughs> the minor <laughs> character Finn. Yeah, you know. You know, there, there are... There's this tiny part of me, and I, I love these Lego games as much as the next person does. But there's there's this tiny part of me in the back of my. There's another wall panel. Um, there's this, this small part of part of back in my brain where I'm like, I kind of wish we could get these games, like these quality of games, as just like instead of Lego Lord of the Rings, it's just a Lord of the Rings game. Instead I, of it being yeah. Lego Star Wars, it's just a Star Wars game. Yeah. And again, I don't. I love Legos as much as the next person, but like. It comes down that, to like, money, right? That's the yes. big thing, is the no, Lego it's, art it's style an, lets you budget your creation time. And maybe it's even less about money and more about just time spent, right? Scalability is, is a huge factor. Yeah, with a Lego I, game, you can get that. really crazy with the scope of what you do because you're, you have to spend less time on certain things, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, so. it's not that I don't understand why they aren't doing it, because... I do because you can't to make this scale of a project with like maybe if it was in like like a cartoony art style or even like a realistic art style would take like twice as long because I mean, you don't depends, have right? that same scale. Because I'm I saying think, the exact same scope, right? I think like, the, the exact same scope. If you set your expectations low, not as a consumer but as the company making a game, right? Look back to Battlefront Two. Uh, Jedi Knight games, KOTOR. Those oh. have a lot of these things in those games, if not all of them in some cases. The real like question mark there is just, well, the graphics are worse. Yeah. And a lot of those it's... games were made under insane time crunches, right? Like yeah. a year, two years at the most. So KOTOR, KOTOR 2 was... was... An yeah. impressive turnaround considering how little time. What I really think has happened is the games industry, especially the AAA games industry, and I say this as someone that likes AAA games, uh, is just super focused on visuals and like pushing the boundary of audio design, visual design, how many details can we fit into a scene. Stop. But Ryan, just stop. Is the <laughs> game fun to play? Is Somebody... the game still fun to play? <laughs> you know. I would love it if Ubisoft came out and released a game that just looks like the Wind Waker. Just, <laughs> they, they they did. Characters are like they made be like pulling teeth. They did Immortals, them. and it's no, probably Immortals their is best too much. game in a long time. No, Ryan, is too Ryan, much. Ryan, they made Grow 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 Home Grow Up. Whatever. Yeah, it was that was called. made by their tiny little indie team, and that game was amazing. <laughs> it's great. It's literally everything is made out of blocks. It, it's wonderful. It looks great, and it's you, there's like a million hours of content in that game to explore everything. And it's uh, it's well, that uh, the, the Ghost Recon, the Division Twelve came out the month after, so no one played that. Who cares? This I'm game is like gray, and the guy has a beard. Imagine guess the what? Scope. We're putting NFTs in it. Hurrah! Oh, Give a game. Three years of development time, 
This is my pitch to EA and Ubisoft. One of them do this. Use visuals the exact level of Battlefront 2, the original. And see how well this sells. Because I think they would be surprised, especially if they're using an IP that people like, at how well a game that just literally take the assets from Battlefront 2 and maybe up them a little bit, but don't adjust models, don't adjust anything, limit yourself on how many effects you're putting in and lighting and whatnot. Just release something that doesn't look as good. Yeah. And I think or, he would be stunned at how many people would be interested in that. Or, and here's the other thing, this is, this is a less extreme example, right? But go the route that Ghost of Tsushima did. If you look at Ghost of Tsushima as like, yeah. From it, it's visuals from a technical perspective. They're not the most impressive character models. They're not, you know, the most impressive textures you've ever seen or whatever. Because for what, but their art style is incredible. The style the color cute. palette is amazing, mm-hmm. and it, it it carries that game so far. You don't need the most like you don't need to see every single pore on someone's face. It's cool, and when you see them, like <laughs> but it's that's kind of a cool detail. Yeah. But it is. So unnecessary, especially when a lot of your games don't even have that great of a story to begin with. I'm looking at you, Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you don't have the greatest, like, you know, facial animations, it's not going to matter because you guys suck at writing stories anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the point we're getting at here is we all <laughs> like art style and visual direction far more than actual graphics. Yes. And it's not worth, in, I think in a lot of cases, the sacrifice. Like in some cases it is, right? Because mm-hmm. Naughty Dog, I think, is the poster child of this. Um, I was just about to bring Their up. games yeah. would not hit as hard if they were not as visually realistic as they are. Uh, yeah. But you also have... I hate golf clubs, man. Yeah, you also have stuff like Life is Strange, stuff like Telltale Games, where they just don't go for realism and instead go for this like mix of uh, cell shading and cartoon art styles or something else. Mm-hmm. And they also deliver their story in a way that is very impactful to a lot of people. Uh, so I think it's clear these different takes work, and it's just not being attempted. Yeah. It's like, I got a question. I want to know what the sales numbers of Skywalker Saga are when this game releases. Because I'm just imagining, imagine a Lego game being the highest-selling Star Wars game in years. I, yeah. My... I, I, that sends a message to me. <laughs> Well, you yeah. know what? Here's the thing. It wouldn't even be that. It wouldn't even be that hard to do because you can count the number of Star Wars games that's come out in the past five years on one hand. Yeah. Thanks. So Wait it wouldn't even be second. that impressive. <laughs> so, uh, what what was the the Souls like Star Wars game that came out? Fallen Order. Yeah, Fallen, Fallen Order. Are are we gauging by like uh, if it makes it past these sales, then yeah. it's then that's the. I the, I think. Even if it, it lands at a comparable sales level to Fallen Order, I think you've proven that people don't care that much yeah. about like realistic visuals. They obviously care about visual direction because the Lego oh. direction gives you this really strong visual design that you can work towards, right? That is unique as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. When you see gameplay of a Lego game, you know it's a Lego game. Yes. Yes. It's like Gundam, right? We the actual graphics don't matter as much. What you need to do is just nail the look of the toy, right? Yeah. Get a shader for the, the materials that you need and have those look like plastic and you're good. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Uh, which is, that makes it sound a lot simpler than it actually is, but it is a much smaller amount of work than 
making a game of the scale of Skywalker Saga that is like Fallen Order level visuals. Yeah, and, and it's, I'll it's, say it's, that... a, it's a different ratio of like put in work to final fan satisfaction because the same thing with the Gundam game is that yeah. I don't need to see every single little like like snip mark and plastic granule in the side of the shining Gundam's arm. It just needs Gundam to look Breaker good 3. enough. <laughs> Gundam Brick, shining Gundam just needs to be in the game. And his hand needs to glow green, and he needs to crush my face, and I explode and die. That's all that needs to happen. And that literally takes, like, ten minutes of, of like, like a triple-A a, a game dev can pump that out in, like, like an hour. And they that's it. It's I think the same thing. I just indie game developers can pump that out. Yes. <laughs> in an hour. It's just, I just need Palpatine to do the funny backflip corkscrew move. All right. Wow, I'm so glad Palpatine's in the game. I don't even care that he's made out of blocks. It does, he did the Palpatine thing. And then he'll come back in a couple games and do electricity. Great. That's all I need. And to, to briefly stand on the other side of the fence, too, I think there is a place for, like, cutting edge, like, you see all the pores yeah, on someone's absolutely. face level yeah, graphics. Yeah. Perfect example was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, because that was a game that's very linear, it's very focused, and I think that allows you to have yes. these amazing-looking yeah. visuals. And on top of that, it wasn't just technically like really really well made in terms of visuals it also had a great art style with great yeah. like planets to go along with it so there Environmental are very design matched it yes mm -hmm. and there, so there's a lot of like th there are examples where like cutting edge graphics make sense but if we're we're still in this like open world thing it really doesn't apply to something like that because you have to work with you have so much space you have i mean to look work. at like minecraft dungeons right I'm not a huge proponent of this game because it's clearly not designed for me. It's designed for a younger audience, but that younger audience is very happy with it, right? Yeah. And just my base Minecraft. I will happily sit down and play Minecraft for 10 hours and not care yeah. <laughs> that it looks like blocks. Like, it doesn't bother me. Uh, and I think clearly by the fact that it's one of the best-selling games of all time, that goes for a lot of people. So, I, yeah. I really think visuals just need to be deprioritized let's take a really and let's take a really recent example tiny tina's wonderlands just came out borderlands has a very borderlands yeah. art style and it looks great especially since borderlands 3 they've had really great lighting and i just that wonderlands and borderlands 3 both look really really great in their own right and it has this really distinctive art style and you know what yep. you're looking at when you look at gameplay of it it's going to put a lot more work into environmental design than they did into character design because the environment is what you're looking at most of the time, I think, which yes. is the and right the guns, split obviously. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let's also agreement. not forget the bomb that gave every Bandai Namco employee 500 more dollars at the end of every paycheck. <laughs> That people complained about the graphics being reused from past games. Oh Elden Ring. It's literally like it is the perfect example of just could could. I mean, let's 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 consider an imaginary scenario. If EA was run by people who were intelligent. Yep. <laughs> people That's a big if. Made, okay, you make you make Battlefront one EA. Well, you got Stormtrooper models and animations. You got default Rebel Trooper models and animations. I don't really think anyone's going to care if the stormtrooper that's going to look the exact same anyway looks the exact same. It's a stormtrooper. They yep. they've looked the exact same for like like 50 years. Put them in all the other games that need a stormtrooper in them and that saves that amount of effort. That's a really high quality stormtrooper model. You made it once, never have to make it again. 
there are animations in Elden Ring that go back to Demon Souls, and they're still satisfying. They're good. Because <laughs> they, they, you could do cool thing with them, and the sound design and the motion for the thing getting hit by it works. Yep. It's, it's great. Why don't they do that? I've brought this up before. Valve, when they were still making a lot of games, were the absolute kings of reusing yes. art assets and and sound assets and everything you could think of and does anyone care not mm -hmm. a single person because <laughs> they made great games and they knew how to reuse their assets like absolute legends no. it's, they it's, 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 they were and it's that it's that masterful reuse of it and then you have people nowadays complaining that kratos is boat hopping in animation is the yeah. same and i want to physically flip this table that the computer <laughs> is on and i'm barely <laughs> holding myself back just from mentioning that stupid incident yeah yeah uh, twitter it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> Interesting discussion to have. Uh, and there's one other thing I wanted to mention about LEGO Lord of the Rings, as well as some, a lot of the more recent LEGO games have this too. Item wheels and ways to access character abilities non-character specifically. And like LEGO Lord of the Rings, you have like a wheel of 10-ish things. It's, it's less than that. It's like eight things that you can have your character carry. And they allow you to do things that you would normally need other characters for. So you almost have like a Metroidvania element of progression to where you can unlock... Okay, when I use Gimli enough, I get his axe as a thing that I can give to other characters, and then I can equip that and have that move set for a moment. Or if I need to use some magic here to move a thing, instead of having to have Gandalf in my party, I can use an item to get the effect. Which obviously is like not at all movie equivalent, right? And nothing yeah. in there is at all related to it, but it's a Lego game. Who cares, right? I feel like this is the same benefit that Tiny Tina's Wonderlands does of being a D&D game where people you can just say it's a Lego game and just have someone pull a hammer out of their pocket and nobody bats an eye, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're working by cartoon rules now. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very uh, imagine, Imagine if there was a D&D &D game where the game was taken as seriously as most people play D&D. &D. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> imagine creating a peasant railgun in a D&D &D video game. Th that game Tiny just Tina came gets out. Quotes. Gets very that what? game just came out. What? Tiny Tina has some stuff that gets real, real close hey, to that. I need to Ryan get and I are recording. Ryan and I are recording us playing it right now as as they come out and you should watch it and you'll see what we're talking about. It gets it gets kind of weird sometimes in a good way. <laughs> yeah, we're in a lot of fun. It gets kind of weird. Yep. So I just want to see more variation, I think is the key thing here. Mm -hmm. And having a Lego game come out and hopefully do well and just have some core like variation from other games, especially in the art style department, I hope will make a statement in that developers don't need to be so one-track minded about what they're doing. And I think this is only a problem really in a lot of American studios, particularly. Western AAA. Because it, everything is kind of following the same market share of products, mm -hmm. right? And they're going after the same audiences. And you run into this issue where finding something that's different, like Ghost of Tsushima, um, like, I, I'm just going to list off Sony titles. <laughs> because a lot of them go for it. But at the same time, yeah. I do have to, like, at the Sony end, look and say, did Spider-Man need to look that good? No. It didn't. I'm glad it did. But I would not be angry if that game looked worse. <laughs> Imagine if you were able to get an open-world Spider-Man game running at 60 frames per second without needing a whole new generation of consoles to get it there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I just think there's, there's so many untapped markets of 
making a game appeal to a wider audience can also go hand in hand with having an art style that is simpler to achieve. And so you can really nail a specific market like that and reach a, a lot, a much wider group of people that would probably look at the game than before. Because I imagine think... Lego Star Wars is going to be a lot of people's first games or like first exposure to games. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because they're into Star Wars and they're into the, the idea of making Lego kits and they're like, oh, maybe this game will be accessible. Uh, and they're and just good, accessible kids' games, but they're also games yeah. that can be played by anyone. They're much like Lego themselves. They're good for any age. I do want to call point. out some of the previews for Lego Star Wars, uh, because I think a few specific previewers talked about the new combat system and that it feels extraneous and that you don't need to use it at any point. I think that's because it's a game designed for kids, right? And I think yeah. the idea here isn't that you need to correctly mesh your light and heavy and force attacks together to like dodge an enemy soul style no you want to look cool that's the entire reason mesh. these exist is to look cool and there, yeah. there are plenty there are plenty of games i feel like where where you know you i mean you can't just get by by just hitting one button to defeat enemies right but that's not as much fun you want exactly. there's there's an enjoyment even if there's no like functional mechanical benefit to, even if there's no mechanical benefit to it, you can still have a lot of fun by just like, okay, I'm going to like hit this guy off a wall and then do this crazy like air juggle thing and then exactly. throw him back on the... That's still fun. Well, even like, if, you're if you not, watch previews, you know. this, this move people do with some of the Force characters, specifically the evil ones, where they like grab someone with the Force, throw them behind them on the ground, and then like backflip stab them. I'm like, that's, that's cool. the coolest <laughs> that's thing. That's sick. <laughs> I'm going to do that every chance I get just because it looks cool. Oh, totally. I don't care if it's good. <laughs> exactly it just looks fun um and i really think that's where a lot of companies go wrong is i don't care if mechanically it isn't always better to do this i just want it to be an option that i have access to you want to know a beloved really really like popular like best-selling game where that exact thing is is there go for it breath of the wild yeah there are so many insane sandbox physics things you can do to get rid of enemies. You can just go up, use your sword, and, you know, thwack them around for a bit. You can do that if you want to. Or you can make your own catapult and hawk boulders at them from half a mile away. Or you can yeah. learn the glitches that exist in that game and shield surf your way into the sun. <laughs> you, can, you can launch yourself on said catapult boulder. To Hyrule Castle. You can fly yep. using a minecart. It's just the level of ludicrousness they allowed to exist in that game, I think, just really ends up having a lot of fun, right? It's and perfect for a Zelda if, game, too. It's somehow if you want, a... If you want just a straightforward, I'm going to go up and hit this guy with my sword, that's there. If you want to do some wackier shit that really may not make you a better player, but is more fun to do, go it for it. makes you a better person. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a combat system that allows for, like, player expression through combat, even if it doesn't provide any kind of mechanical I'd point to, like, I'd also point to Metal Gear Solid Five, the game that, like, was, is still, I think, kind of in the position of being the best stealth action game that has come out gameplay-wise. Yeah. Because I think the benefit that had is you can complete every level in that game naked with no items spawning in totally possible <laughs> mm -hmm. but they give you so many toys to play with that of course i'm gonna spawn in the mech suit and roll around of in the course. mech suit and blast something with tranquilizer darks from from the mech suit of course yeah. i'm gonna go ballistic on what one mission and summon an attack helicopter for no reason because i can it's an option they gave me and i want to see it at least once 
I mean, at, at this point, you're contractually ob obligated to do the fun way of taking out Quiet and spawn in a... Uh, a, a box uh, above her head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the only way to go, to go up against her now. It's just allowing your players to have the option of doing weird things in combat is always, I think... Unless you're going for like a super tightly controlled experience, uh, like Sifu or something, right? Mm -hmm. Then you don't need to worry that much. Nobody cares if the game's that balanced. And it's a great way to introduce kids to those like to, to those types of games yeah. where those combos and those mechanics do become yeah. more important later. It's we're introducing you to the concept that you don't just have to hit one button to to you know defeat an enemy, and it's a perfect way to to kind of lead up to that. Yep. So you get that intrinsic want... reward of things just look cool. When exactly. Yeah. Which is which is probably most important when you're playing a game than anything else. Yep. Probably. Um. Which which brings me I I because I want I want to declare a, a future topic right now, but I forget what the term of it is, and I have a feeling that the designery boys will yeah, probably remember. So we're we're talking about just being able to do whatever you want and use the whole sandbox versus that that side of the player base that just uses the best thing all the time. Optimizing what is the that fun called? out of the game. Ot yes, exactly. I forget if we did a whole thing about that, but I feel like a couple of games recently have come out where not the games themselves, but the communities around them, like maybe like I'm just going to use Elden Ring as an example because yeah, it's the one in front of my brain, where it's like, Previously, you have the niche community of people who are just used to the Souls games fine. Elder Ring comes out, huge success. A lot of new people are playing it. A lot of new people are playing it however they want. But the PvP in that game specifically is kind of getting ruined by people that are just using the super optimized, like, crazy item and weapon combos that there's no way the devs could have, like, tested all the kinks out of because they're just insane. Like, crazy bleed builds and stuff, and it just makes yeah. the, the rest of the community that is not used to this sort of thing doesn't think that's fun, because it's not. It's just someone using the best thing all the time. We're not at the point where that's, like, you know, going back on game dev and it's getting into every single game. And I feel like that's a good thing, obviously. But if anything, if anything is going to be the last bastion of hope, I want it to be Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, letting you <laughs> press any button you want and have a good time. <laughs> but yeah. I would like to talk about that more in a future episode because I feel like that's that's a good topic. Well, that's the classic. To, to I, I think it's a John Romero quote. It was from the original Doom developers. I don't remember if it was Romero or someone else, but they said, "If given the opportunity, players are going to optimize the fun out of the game," which is mm. true to a degree in some games. But I honestly think that that quote doesn't hold as much water as it used to, because the people that are going to do that are people that are trying to that that get the enjoyment of mastering a game. And I think trying yeah. to constantly cater to those people and like cater around them is going to lead to inevitable failure because you can't account for everything. And that's like a thing you have to learn as a game developer first is you cannot ever account for everything your players are going to do, no matter how much you think you might, unless your game is like very small and controlled, you're not going to do it. Um, and that's not a bad thing, right? That's not a thing that you should be yeah. scared of. It's a thing that you should acknowledge, but build around it. Right. Which I think is the Souls approach of create these different ways to play the game that have kind of their own difficulty, right? Because you can not summon things and you're going to make the game harder for yourself, but maybe you like that. Or you can summon for yourself and make the game more approachable. You can do a build that's more easy to use or a build that's harder to use. So, a lot of I range. I think the, the sign of a good sandbox is allowing players to do things that the devs had, hadn't even 
considered to be an yeah. option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's that's the kind of thing that I think starts to make me very apprehensive about the direction a lot of like Assassin's Creed Valhalla and whatnot has gone because it feels like they've tried too hard to balance the game so that none of the items are exciting anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes just this issue of, I just want to see, give me an axe that does something weird. I don't want this like 5% attack boost. It's silly and dumb. Give me something that's strange. Give me the Borderlands perk that turns my status effects into waves that go out to other people. What's the thing is that it's not silly. It's really boring. If it was silly, it'd be more fun. (laughs) Yep. Just don't be afraid of putting fun things in your game. <laughs> People are going to break which your game regardless. Thing, which is People another like thing that's things. great about Borderlands is because they can put in guns that may have effects that completely break the game for a while while you're in that range of levels. Because there's no PvP where they have to worry about balance. We're just going to give you some weird yeah. stuff. Like, what was that crazy effect uh, thing that you found today? Where no, I found a spell own. that has a plus 14,000% range. Oh my god. <laughs> it's just the kind and of thing. Awesome. There's no PvP. I, We're all here to fight weirdos exactly, together. It as when, Who cares? <laughs> when it comes to creativity, as not a game designer, so do not take my word for this, no PvP is good PvP. I mean, yeah. I honestly think like, if <laughs> you have PvP, game. <laughs> you need to balance it separately because you're going to yes. kill your single player if you try to balance Which... it the same way as your PvP. Which Destiny finally got the idea through. I haven't done a good job of it so far. They're starting to figure out that they can separately adjust guns, but it's not going well. I mean, it's a learning Any... process. I'm sure it'll get there at some point, hopefully. Oh, Maybe. Bungie. Fingers Can you crossed. Imagine you're playing Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga and you get invaded <laughs> by a red phantom. That <laughs> 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 proceeds to do the complete saga double jump down stab with a lightsaber to you eight times in a row and just you, obliterates you. you. But you have to get invaded and... by Darth Maul. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Uh, I would... Hey, if there's some weird emergent stuff with this game, I would love it. Um, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot... There's so many things that you can do and just focus on like creating a good experience rather than pushing visuals so much or going super hard. So I do think the thing that will often bite you with pushing for graphical fidelity isn't even necessarily the art that's required, but the amount of implementation time you need for everything. Mm-hmm. Because like yeah. for games I've worked on, the problem is never the ability to produce art. It's the ability to get it in the game, in the time frame we have, and test it so it works, right? Yeah. It's unique, because every time you have an asset in a game you need to work out a way to get that asset there. And a lot of AAA studios have the benefit of working these out very early on, and so they can iterate quickly with things like outfits and whatnot. You still need to check for things like clipping. It still adds testing hours. There's tons of things you have to do with every time you add an asset. Um, audio is a nightmare, specifically, because you have to balance yeah. everything. It's, it's a total nightmare to get your audio levels completely correct, because you might have a system outside that works well. As soon as you throw it in an engine it's liable to break. It's just a thing that happens. So it's important that you account for that time and that realizing the more you do in that range, the harder it's going to be. So I just think it's, a, it's an important consideration. Uh, that's, we've hit on a lot of our topics here. 
Now, I do want to yeah. take a moment to, to compliment some other non-LEGO licensed games. I think the Batman series had the right idea from the start, right? They yeah. knew what to go for. And Batman Arkham, very different game than Arkham City. But they changed the right things to make it have that same feeling be a lot bigger. You know, you get the whole Gotham, not Gotham, but Arkham City to explore more expansive levels, uh, combat slightly changed, slightly better, but not a drastic shakeup. And of course, they appealed to the comic book nerd and all of us by giving us tons of costumes. Yes. And how do you get those costumes? By playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> you have to buy them for $15 a pack? Look. Or subscribe to Batman Plus? Playing the Complete oh Saga earlier. Wait, no, no. It's Batman Beyond. I got oh, so no. excited playing the Complete Saga <laughs> because I unlocked Watto as a character that I could buy. <laughs> and that to me is just the joy that you want in your game, right? Watto. <laughs> is me going over and realizing, hey, I unlocked Watto as a character I can play as now. Thank God. And he does this goofy flying. And I'm like, oh, I unlocked Sebulba's racing <laughs> rig for pod racing. I'm going to, of course, buy that. And I'm like, I just want that kind of satisfaction. Give me the hidden character in a game, right? I feel like this is, even if most of the characters in this 300-character roster are terrible, I'm down for that. They're there. I want to play the Gonk Droid in the level. It's going to be awful, but I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> It's the equivalent they do need of the, to bring uh, back... the Dark Souls level one run. Yes, the Gonk run. <laughs> they need to bring oh, back run any percent. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Super Gonk. All the stupid settings you could unlock in, in the there is a, saga. Yeah, they're all all the dumb settings are back. Thank Ooh, God, they're here. Those those not enough games had like that's that's a that's a level of sandbox that very few games that come out nowadays are. Cheat codes are just done with. Do. Like games don't do it's, cheat yeah, codes exactly. anymore, and that's a shame. That's unfortunate. Or they monetize them. And that's even worse. Or you're mm. Doom Eternal and you have them as a collectible. Which, which is, is what you should do. Very smart. Which mm. is very so smart. Do. And I'll also yes. give I mean, a shout out to Tunic there. Is they turned a cheat code into an accessibility option of making it so you don't die. What? Regardless of how much damage you take. What? So there's an, there's what? an accessibility option to make it so you, that you cannot die in Tunic. Which I think is huh. a, honestly a good way to preserve the feeling of the game without making it impossible to beat right yeah for people that need it so it's a, a simple solution it's taking me all all my power to stop myself from saying in full seriousness that that's a setting that Wyatt could use taking me all <laughs> my power to stop myself I was waiting for someone to say yeah. it i was waiting hey if dark souls ever gets a difficulty option i honestly think that should be it right don't change just the, the yeah, game no at all damage. just have an option thing that's just like Okay, do you not want to die? Here, you just won't die. Souls prepare to never die. Just make yeah. it so you can't get achievements when you're doing that, and then nobody's angry, I think. That's, yeah. that's the, the key there. If you're talking about licensed game, I feel like Witcher is technically... That is, you know, yeah, that. a little bit. Yeah, Witcher's it's a based weird. off of a book series. It's, it's a weird one, and, and the know, circumstances... Be... With... Uh, go for it. With with the Witcher, the first two books are short stories. Essentially, they're kind of what's the short what's stories the, that form a cohesive a. whole. Yeah. They're an anthology it, series. Anthology. That's what, I feel like Lego games can do anthologies really well. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean it's functionally what they are. Yeah, a little bit. Well, the the interesting thing, and, and I haven't read the books. I've always wanted to, and I just haven't sat down and done it yet. But from what I understand. 
Witcher 3 specifically takes place after all of the games. Most there. of yeah. yeah. So Which is okay, really to, to clear up how the Witcher yeah. canon works real quick. Put us all on the same page. So the Witcher books mostly completely unrelated to the games. That you can kind of disregard everything in the books compared to the games. Wyatt, stop doing your, your wibbly-wobbly thing. I, I've read <laughs> The Witcher books. The games ignore a lot of character traits, flat out, because they don't work as well on a visual medium. They also straight right? up change the names of some characters. They change the names of characters. <laughs> they completely change the role of a lot of characters. Like, Siri in the books is a child. <laughs> She's a little no, child. Did you know... Geralt, before the trial of the grasses, used to be a redhead? There's, like, there's so many weird things in the books. Um, and they're very good, but they're a different thing, right? And I think that's the good decision that CD Projekt made when they made those games, is they went, we don't need to just do the books again. Well, here's the other thing, is that it's technically speaking, and yes, it doesn't follow everything, but the events of it take place... What they do take from the books, right, is everything that's happened you know, uh, before Witcher 3 came out, right? So they took specific things from those stories. It's well, like, The Witcher 1 take takes whole... place after the books. The whole, all the Witcher games technically are after and the I can't, books. And I can't speak to Witcher 1 and 2 because I haven't, I've barely played any of them. But, um, for example, it's like, from what I, from what I remember, the, uh, uh, the whole backstory of, like, um, Yen and, and uh, Geralt and the Jinn were all in the books, from what I remember. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's different, take, but yes. So what's good is that is that okay, we're gonna take specific things that we want in terms of like world yeah. building and, and background for the characters from the books. We're gonna take what we want and then everything's gonna be set after. So we can take exactly like the meat in the in the potatoes out of the uh out of the past and just use and that. And if it doesn't work for a video game, get rid of it. We don't need it. Which which if Witcher wasn't and if Witcher was a, like a, a you know, a very well uh they they were plenty popular as a book series, right? But if you took something like Star Wars and tried to do that, like people would people yeah. would freak out. <laughs> yeah. And so they had the benefit of taking a, a a franchise that wasn't like obscure by any means, but wasn't you know on the that on a certain level of popularity. Yeah, they're able super to be like mainstream. Yeah. And we're like, we're able to take what we want and, and make the story that we want and just build off of what we think is important for our story. And that's kind of that's kind of a really cool thing, actually. And I and I kind of I kind of wish that more adaptations and interpretations of stories did that because it's a really smart way of doing it. And it clearly worked in Witcher's favor. And it appeals to both groups of people too, people that have never played or never read the books and people that have read the books, because even if you're not covering the same source material You've got new stories to tell, right? You can do your own thing. And I think that's more interesting from the approach of someone coming off of reading books. Unless, of course, like, it's difficult per series, right? Because The Witcher has an interesting world that you can really grasp onto. And you don't really need a specific plot line from the books to follow. I imagine with something like Lord of the Rings, that might be a little bit harder. Uh, unless you go the Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor route and just go crazy, right? Just go do something completely different. Um, it's hard to tell a similar story without just telling the same one. So I, I do think it, it changes based on what you're doing. But Star Wars clearly, I think, is one of those settings. You can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Nobody here is going to care if you completely disregard the movies and just do something different. 
As long as it, it as long as it brings your characters to Tatooine at some point in yeah. your story, you can do whatever that's, you want. That's it's the fine. grounding fact. As long as the yeah. planet blows up at some point <laughs> and your character visits Tatooine, you've got a and Star you see Wars. A light, story. And you see a lightsaber, you've got a Star lightsaber. Wars story. Or <laughs> lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. I'll open from a more civilized age. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I think we've covered most of our, our topics here. Any other things people want to mention before we're jetting off? Nope. Not Great. Really. Shoutouts time. Okay. I got one. I got one ready to go. Go for it. Do it. Shout out to us to having the guts to not only stream this episode on the same day, but also the exact same time as the Oscars. The Oscars. Who cares? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I realized that right when we started, and I was like, wow, I didn't know the Oscars were happening. I, we, which we should, were, oh. which <laughs> should tell you how little we care about the Oscars. Right, my, my parents. <laughs> My, my parents and I were watching it at dinner, and I'm just like, wow, I couldn't give less of a shit about what these people are wearing, and everyone's going wild about it. Wow, that's that's a dress. That's another dress. That's a suit. Well, Interesting. Lightsaber. Oh, there's names attached to them, huh? You know what that is! <laughs> All right, who's next? Uh, I'll go, I guess. Um... Uh, my shout out is going to be another game series that I want to see in Lego yeah. because I didn't get enough of it in live action. I want Lego Firefly. Oh, that'd be interesting. Give me Lego Firefly. Now well imagine what like a Lego Expanse series would look like. How, how weird that yeah. would be. Yeah, that would look, that'd be great. All right, Lego Strange, Lego Stranger um, Things. Lego Stranger Things, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Brett, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Up to you. You get the call. Okay. My my shout out's not very good to end off. On, All right. Well, so then do it first. Because it, it's not. It's I. I just a shout out to uh to Trent Reznor and the Nine Inch Nails because it's the only thing I've been listening to for the last like three days and they're very good. Right. So I don't. Right. If you're one of those five people on planet Earth that hasn't heard of Nine Inch Nails before, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty scary. They're pretty underground, you know. Yeah. I got, I got I, a I, shout I out. I think it might be one of those five people. Oh, oh no, <laughs> Alex. Alex, gotta fix that. <laughs> I got a shout out. A good little YouTube channel I stumbled across this morning called Food for Dogs. <laughs> that is yes. an very a good. wonderful elderly woman talking about and unboxing JRPGs in niche games like Rune Factory. And it just brought me so much joy to see that this is a thing happening. And it's called Food for Dogs? It's called Food for Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> She's just so happy cool. to unbox these little anime yeah. characters. It's th And she has like a full playthrough of multiple visual novels. <laughs> yeah. On the channel. It's incredible. Um. Uh, yeah. Major shout out to that channel. It's it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, I love to see the non-traditional YouTube channels that pop up occasionally. So, with that, we've hit the end of our show. As always, Tuesday morning, seven a.m. Eastern time on the podcast platform of your choice. Catch the good old Borderlands, Tiny Tina Wonderlands playthrough going up basically every day. Right now, we have the next like week of them already scheduled. So, great game. Yeah, very fun game. You beat it. It's very good. You beat it already? Uh. <laughs> <laughs>